Here we go. Second Chronicles 16 and verse 9. The Bible says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. The NIV put it this way. It says, For the eyes of the Lord range throughout the earth to strengthen those whose hearts are fully committed to him. You know, this passage of Scripture, or this one verse, has been our base verse for this series in being strong. And uh, if we just look at this verse in context, we'll understand uh, really what God is trying to say to us as we move forward. You know, this verse in context, you look at King Asa here, and uh, King Asa was afraid because the king of Israel uh, began to to build and uh, come against King Asa, who was the king of Judah at the time. And uh, King Asa had uh, relied on the Lord in past uh, instances. But this particular time, he went to the king of Syria, an enemy, and asked to make a treaty with the king of Syria, and that way, if they made a treaty, they would be strong together, and the king of Israel would have to back off. And so that's what he did, and the king of Syria did this. He did. He, he got rid of his allegiance with Israel, and he made his allegiance with King Asa and Judah, and uh, then, you know, they, they rose up, and King Asa then took what the king of Israel was doing and took it for himself, and he began to build. Uh, and then, so all of a sudden, the seer comes, <laughs> How many know that, uh, you know, the Lord will send somebody when you're not on the right track to speak into your life? And so the seer came and uh, began to talk to him and said, look, here's what the Lord would say to you. He said, uh, you know, in this situation, uh, you know, you went to the enemy. Uh, in this you have done foolishly. And then he began to remind him, remember when the Ethiopians were coming against you? Remember in this situation, in that situation, and you trusted the Lord and you overcame, but not in this situation. And the reason is uh, God is so upset with you is because his eyes go to and fro throughout the whole earth looking for people to make strong. And here you are. He can make you strong, and you trusted him in the past, but in this situation, you turn your back on the Lord and you trust somebody in the world. And here's the thing about it is I don't know, I don't know King Asa's mind in this particular situation, I don't imagine, I can only surmise, but I don't imagine that King Asa got up that morning and said, you know what, uh, I'm sick of God uh, because he, you know, he seems like he doesn't come through. I'm just going to do it myself. I'm going to figure out a way to do this myself, and uh, then I'll get back to God after. I don't imagine that in his heart he was purposely coming against God. Maybe uh, it was just a quick way that he saw that he could have victory in this situation. How many of us can relate to that? Not that we come against God or we're mad even at God, but there's just a quick way. And so we go and do that. And then uh, at the end of it, God comes back and says, well, listen, if you would have just waited on me, in fact, if you would have just consulted me, uh, I'm looking for people. I am looking. It's, it's kind of like a, a, a boy or a girl that wants to go to college, you know, and they say, man, it's just difficult. Uh, I, I don't know where I'm going to come up with the money to go to college. And then all of a sudden they get in college and they take out all these loans. And then they look back and they find out, well, you know, there was a, a company in town that if you just wrote an essay, they would have gave you a scholarship uh, for a couple thousand dollars. And then there was this thing over here that all you had to do was write to them and they would have gave you some money. I mean, the money was right there. You just didn't look for it. And so that's the way we are with God. You know, he's saying, I'm right here. Your resources are right here. I have abundance in resources. Come on, I, I, I know a little something about what you're going through. I mean, I've been around, uh, you know, forever, literally. Come on. 
I know a little something, and so if you would just consult me. And instead, King Asa didn't do that, and God chastised him. So that's uh, the base of where this scripture is coming from, and I want you to look at that, uh, look at it in that light. Don't just look at it, oh, God's looking for people that he can make strong. Yeah, he's looking for people that he can make strong because you hadn't uh, sought him in past times. So look at it as he's, he's saying, come on now, let's get this thing together. I'm, my eyes are looking for people to strengthen that you would overcome. Don't do foolishly. You know, when I think about these things, I, I think about how we go through things in life. And, uh, you know, I don't mean to offend you because I'm certainly looking in the mirror when I say these things, okay? Uh, but you find yourself, uh, for example, uh, maybe overweight or in a bad state of health. Again, I'm looking in the mirror. Don't get offended now, you know, because uh, I've been there. And I'm, you know, and so you, you, you find yourself maybe overweight or you find yourself in a bad financial state where you owe a lot of money. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of things we can name. Well, it was because of this. It was because of the economy. It was because of uh, Thanksgiving. You know, it was because of whatever it might be. Uh, but most of the time, if we look in the mirror and look back over our life, we'll find out that there's some disciplines that we have not done, that we have forsaken. <laughs> Come on now. And uh, to find ourselves in this particular situation. And if you want to get to where you want to be, uh, you know, especially where it, uh, as it relates to diet and exercise and health, uh, it's going to take some discipline. You don't just say in your mind, oh, I wish, I, you know, I could lose some weight and I wish uh, that I didn't have high cholesterol and I wish those things without speaking any word, spending any time with God, come on, uh, uh, and then physically doing any work. You're not going to the gym. You're not doing anything. Uh, and all of a sudden, it's sure God can do miracles, of course. But God is looking for people that he can make strong. He's looking for people uh, that will be able to take his Holy Spirit and not have to cry to him all the time. Come on. Uh, but they can stand up and say, I'm strong in the Lord. Because Jesus, look at what he said uh, to the woman who came to him uh, who, who had the issue of blood. He said, your faith has made, your faith has made you whole. Your faith has made you whole. He's looking for people that he can deposit into his spirit, his faith, and that way you can stand up and be strong in the face of the enemy. It doesn't mean that you're not dependent on God, but it means that you're so connected to him that you represent him. You don't have to look and cry to him every time, but when the enemy comes against you, you say, I know that the Lord is already with me. I trust him. Come on, he's trying to make us strong, and to do that, we need some spiritual disciplines. We need some spiritual disciplines. We know it in the natural. If we want to get in shape, that we need some physical disciplines where, as, as it relates to eating and as it relates to maybe exercise. We know that if we want to be in good financial shape, it's going to take some disciplines. We can't spend our money in certain places the way that we used to. Maybe we have to save. Maybe we have to invest. There are certain things that we have to do to get out of the hole. And I want to tell you one thing. This is one of the things I tell young people all the time. Uh, Dietra and I, sometimes we have counseled in the past with different uh, young people and they find themselves in these uh, holes or they find themselves in these uh, states, whether it's financially, in a relationship, or whatever, I want to tell you something, that everything is figureoutable. That's my own word. Everything with God is figureoutable. I don't care where you are. If you're not dead, everything is figure. You are not too far that God, uh, you cannot call to him, and he cannot reach to you and bring you to where he is. Sometimes it may take a little time. Most of the time, it's going to take a little spiritual discipline. We need some spiritual discipline.
A person who is strong in spiritual discipline has made a serious lifestyle decision to go deeper into God, to grow stronger in all aspects of spiritual life. Look, this is what they do. Cultivating a consistent life in word and in prayer. We both have to study God's word, read and study his word, and we also have to pray and listen to see what he would say to us. This is what we're talking about. And when I say spiritual definitions, what do I mean? Here, here's what it is. These spiritual, uh, spiritual uh, disciplines are simply this, exercises in godliness. That's what it is. It's exercise. It's practicing godliness. You know, one of the things that I've uh, begun to do more consistently is to really spend some time, first thing, I go by this principle uh, of the first. We talked about this earlier in the year when we talked about tithing because it's so easy when you talk about money uh, because it's, we can see it. It's tangible. And uh, God just doesn't want 10%. He wants the first. He wants to be first because if God is first, the rest is blessed. Remember talking about that? I'd rather have 90% of something that's blessed than 100% of something that's cursed. Come on now. And I believe that that also goes with your time. If we can find a way to make sure God is first in our life with our time, the rest of your time will be blessed. You ever found yourself in a situation where you just don't have time? It just seems like I don't have time. I mean, I just, you know, I'm doing this and I'm doing that and I agreed to this and, and you know, then that person called, now I got to go do this and it's just your time. And it could be that your time is not being blessed by God. Your time is cursed because we're not giving any of it to him. If we give some of it to him, he'll bless the rest of it. To some of you, I know that sounds a little crazy, but God, you'll find that you'll have more time than you knew what to do with. And you're getting everything done because you gave some of it to God. And not only some of it, but the first of it to God. And so one of the things I begin to do is um, with the little devotional that Jody gave me. Thank you so much. Uh, you know, I just look at that every morning. It doesn't take, really, it can take 15 minutes. It can take an hour. How much time did I want to spend in it? And, I, you know, I do that and just spend some time with God and you find that your whole day is sweeter. And it just, even when things come against you, doesn't mean you don't find yourself in circumstances. Doesn't mean that people don't offend you. Doesn't mean that the enemy doesn't throw more at you today. Come on. But even with that, you'll find yourself just like Peter in the midst of the storm walking on water. Wind is coming. Water's contrary, but I'm walking right on it through it. Why? Because you gave some of it to God. Exercise in godliness. Listen to what 1 Timothy 4.8 says uh, in, the new, in the Good News Translation. You know this, but look, it says physical exercise has some value. But spiritual exercise is valuable in every way because it promises life both for the present and for the future. In the Message Translation, it said workouts in the gymnasium are useful. Doesn't mean don't work out. It's not what God is saying there. But a disciplined life in God is far more so, making you fit both today and forever. Now, the, the phrase train yourself in here, to, to train uh, in, in, this, in this passage of Scripture is from this Greek word, gymnazo, which is where we get our English word, gymnasium. In other words, you might have to go to the spiritual gym and work it out. Now, I just want to say something here that this is, this does not mean that you need to do something in order to get something from God. That's not what this is talking about. This is just, this, this doesn't have anything with God doing something for you, but has everything to do with you getting in spiritual shape. Come on. Has everything to do with you looking in a mirror and say, I'm in spiritual shape because I'm training 
Spiritual training helps us now in this life, but it's also profitable for the future. Come on. We need some spiritual training. Some of us need some spiritual disciplines. We need to be disciplined in our life because we can't blame anybody else but ourselves. When you find yourself in uh, different situations, like we talked about, uh, you know, with health or with uh, finances, but even in relationships, all of that, you, we can all, most of the time, we can look back and say we have not been disciplined where we needed to be disciplined. And that's why we are where we are today. Talking about spiritual shallowness, Richard Foster said this one time. He said, superficiality is the curse of our age. The desperate need today is not greater number of intelligent people but or gifted people, but it's for deeper people. How many know that if you really think about it? But we're so, uh, we're so enamored with the gifted and with the talented. But God is not looking for gifted and talented people. He, can, he, he already gave all that out. God is looking for people who want to go deeper, deeper. You ever think about leaders? I, you know, I've thought about that. I've thought about great leaders. And I've thought about, uh, you know, what makes a leader great? And, uh, you know, I've, I've looked at some leaders and I thought, that person is not uh, the best orator in the world, meaning that they don't have the best vocabulary, but they're a great leader. This person over here doesn't have the best morals in the world. I mean, if we get right down to it, come on. But they were able to lead and influence. It's not right, but I'm just telling you they were a great leader. I mean, you look at Adolf Hitler. Come on. He, and and uh, who was over Germany? That was Hitler, yeah. You look at Hitler, oh, Stalin. They were all great leaders because they were able to influence people. You look at Martin Luther King Jr., Kennedy, who, Winston Churchill. Winston Churchill, uh, I, I absolutely love reading about his life and how he was able to influence people. You look at some of these people and you wonder, how in the world do they get people to follow them? How in the world are you, that person doesn't know. I know more than that person knows. You know, how, do, how are they able to get people to follow them? You know, so it's not about the gifts and the talent sometimes. Leading is about influence. And so when I look at some of those leaders, to me, it's that they're able to influence others with vision, with dreams, whatever, and they're able to convince others uh, because of the dreams and the visions that they have. And I think it's the same way with us as Christians. It's not about who's the most gifted and who's the most talented, but who wants to press in the most to God? I mean, there are people, I, I, I read a book, I read part of a book. My wife read the whole book and kind of turned me on to it about Catherine Kuhlman. You remember that book? Reading about Catherine Kuhlman. And uh, you, if, if you just know her on the surface or if you have heard that name before and, and you've heard of her, you would know that she uh, had healing revivals and all of those types of things. And when she would come out, I mean, people would just get miraculously healed at her meetings, you know, and you would see it and you say, man, that woman, she is so gifted. She is so, she knows what she's doing, you know, all of those things. And then you read more and you find out that behind the stage, I mean, she was, she was praying. She knew it wasn't in herself and, be, and she knew, she understood that faith was not, not uh, having any fear or none of that. She knows that it's there. The potential is there of fear, but despite that, I'm going to trust God anyway. And it's not in me. She understood that. And so when you look at those things, God's looking for people who want to go deeper. Do you want to go deeper? Is your, does your heart belong to me? But instead, we're looking for gifts. We're looking for what we call anointing, which is sometimes really not anointing. God wants to know, do you want to go deeper in me? Here's a couple of questions that I have for you that I want you to think about. Don't yell anything out. Just think about it in your life. 
when we talk about spiritual disciplines. First of all, ask yourself this question. What am I currently not doing that if I were doing would open myself up to more of God's work of grace in my life? Now, this doesn't mean, like we said, this doesn't mean uh, that you're going to work more so that God loves you more. That's not what we're talking about. But it's just saying that, that, that it would open up, you would open, God's already doing it. God's already, his love is there, his grace is there. But what would open you up to that? What, that? what is it that you're not doing that if you were doing, like I said, for me, it was just a simple thing. It's not the work so much, uh, but it's just that I opened myself up by, you know, just, just dedicating some time to God, just a devotion time to God. You open yourself up. God, his love, his grace is already there. It doesn't mean, oh, God's going to love me more now. No, his love is already there, but now I'm just accessing it. I'm accessing that work of grace in my life because uh, of something that I wasn't doing that I am now doing. And then the second question is just the same thing, only reverse. What am I currently doing? Come on, that if eliminated, what are you doing that's hindering you from a deeper spiritual life? What am I currently doing that if I eliminate it would open myself up more to God's work of grace in my life? What am I doing that is hindering me from that? that and it could be a good thing that we call good. You know what? Uh, good is the greatest enemy of best because we settle. When something's good, we just settle for that. And God's saying, I don't want you to be good. I want you to be the best. And the only way you can do that is through me. If I deposit that in you, you can work your whole life and be good, but you'll never work your whole life and be godly without God. He wants the best for you. Thomas uh, Kempis said this. He said, I know well that the enemy labors in all wise to stay uh, thy desire in good and to make thee void of all good exercise. <laughs> what is he saying there? What he's, what he's saying there is, I know that really what the enemy is doing is trying to prevent you from working out your own salvation. He's trying to distract you. Well, I'm so busy. I'm doing this and I'm doing those things and I got this over here and I, you know, I'm doing this at the church and I'm coming up with this new message series and we got this new ministry and we got all these things going. Meanwhile, spiritually, I'm bankrupt, but I'm doing all the works. But what is it really gaining? God's not looking for somebody who can do all the works, who's gifted and talented, but somebody who's deeper. And out of that, everything else will flow. Everything else will flow in your life. Tolstoy, Leo Tolstoy said this. He said, everybody thinks of changing humanity and nobody thinks of changing themselves. Be the change that you want to see. You be the change that you want to see. You know, and, and I mean, there's, you know, you look at it and you say, well, why am I not growing spiritually? Why does the church not grow spiritually? Well, I, you know, I do believe that it, it is, uh, you know, things start with leadership. Things start with people like pastors and leaders and all of those things. Of course, uh, you know, we have a theological uh, deficiency, I think, in the church today. And I won't go off on that, uh, you know, on my own little soapbox. But I think that, um, you know, we just we need to preach Jesus. It just comes back. It never gets old. And I know we're looking for things that are new. And uh, I, I, I realize all those things. And I love new stuff. 
don't get me wrong. You know, it's, it's not that. I do. I love new things. I love new songs. I love new, new ways to worship. I love all of those things. But if in all of that we lose that Jesus died on the cross and shed his blood for your sin, and he's the only way to the Father, come on, uh, through atonement, right? He was a propitiation for our sins. If we lose the doctrine of salvation, if we lose the lose the doctrine of Jesus Christ and all of that because we got a new worship song that we want to do and different things uh, that we want to uh, attain uh, and all of those things. If we lose all of that, uh, then we're just, we won't grow spiritually. We won't grow. Well, people will grow. We'll, we'll have more people doing things, but we won't grow spiritually. And I also believe it's a perception problem of grace. Certainly, Everything is of Christ and everything starts with grace, but grace must lead to a grace-filled growth in our life. We must partner with grace. And here's what I'm saying with grace is we just can't sit back and say, oh, well, you know, I, I have grace, so I can, you know, do anything I want. Quesarasara, life is that way. No, no, we must partner with grace. <laughs> you understand? In fact, grace really only works if you're up doing something. <laughs> If you're doing something and you're asking God, what do you want me to do? And you go out there, he gives you a grace for it. He can't, he, he doesn't give you a grace for sitting down doing nothing. Some of us feel like we have a grace for that. I have. I'm, boy, I just got a grace for sitting here doing nothing. Oh, that's my grace. <laughs> but God doesn't give grace for that. God gives grace when you get out and do something. Come on. It's time for us to go a little deeper, saints, a little deeper. Hebrew, in fact, turn to Hebrews chapter 6. Here's a passage that you know as well, but I just want to reemphasize this passage of Scripture with you because God is, God is calling us up. It doesn't get old. You've heard it before, but it doesn't get old. If we were where we needed to be, we wouldn't need to come to church every Sunday. Come on. We wouldn't need to read our Bible every day. We wouldn't need to pray if we were already there. But we're on this journey. We're on this journey. So Hebrews chapter 6, just starting at verse 1, it says, Therefore, I'm reading out of the New King James, Therefore, leaving the discussion of the elementary principles of Christ, let us go on unto perfection, on unto maturity, not laying again the foundation. doesn't say don't do it. Don't lay again the foundation of repentance from dead and of faith toward God, of the doctrine of baptism, of laying on of hands, of resurrection of the dead, and of eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. What is he, the writer saying here in Hebrews is, we're doing the same thing over and over. It's great. The, all of these doctrines are great, but we've already laid this foundation. What do you do when you lay a foundation for a house? What's next? You start getting some wood. Come on. You start getting some more materials, and you begin to build up. Why do you keep laying the same foundation over and over? You got a, a foundation this high. You can't live in that. Come on. We laid the foundation. The foundation is important. It don't mean don't lay on hands. It don't mean uh, there's no repentance. It doesn't mean there's not baptism. It just means it's there. Now we need to build on that. Let's go higher than that. Come on, that's basic. Oh, we had uh, four baptisms and three people repented. And that is great. We should rejoice. Angels rejoice when people come to the Lord. But guess what? It's expected. It's expected. Come on. Even Paul told the Romans, this is your reasonable service. It's expected. Let's go higher. You know, I think about this. You know, I love sports. And I think about this with sports teams. And I, I, I look at it. I see it all the time. I differentiate teams that are just satisfied with having a few wins. 
or maybe making the playoffs. But those teams that are perennial powers, uh, you know, like the ones that I hate, like the Patriots, you know, uh, and you look at uh, Alabama. I know some of you don't know sports, but Alabama, uh, you know, they're just perennial every year. It's because these, these teams, they're not satisfied with just playing a good game or just kind of making the playoffs. Their goal is to go all the way. And if they don't make it this year, they come right back next year. They call it reloading. They reload up and they say, well, let's go for it again. You know, they because they go for all of it. I wonder what it would take for us as Christians to go for all of it. Let's stop just settling for where we are. Settling for, you know, and that again, it's, this is what the enemy wants us to do. Yeah, well, your, your faith is okay. There were a couple times that, you know, God blessed you with something. And then the other times, just, just start singing rough side of the mountain. You'll be okay. That'll get you through it. You know, that's what the enemy wants us to do. But God is saying, no, no, I have the best for you. God doesn't fail. God never fails. God's not second best. Everything he does is best, even if we don't think it's the best. Everything he does is best. That's the God that you serve, and that's the God that I serve. Spiritual disciplines or any activity within our power that we engage in to enable us to do what we cannot do by human effort. Any activity in our power, that's what spiritual disciplines are. Here's what it means. It means receiving God's grace. These spiritual disciplines allow us to place ourselves before God so he can transform us. He's going to transform us. We need to understand that even when you go to the gym and you lift weights, you know, what, what you're doing, really what you're doing is you're breaking down your muscle. I'm, I'm not an expert at lifting weights, as you can tell. But really what you're doing is you're breaking down your muscles. You know, you're not going there lifting the weight 10 times to go, man, that just made my muscle grow like that. You know, actually what you did when you lifted the weight 10 times, you broke your muscle all apart. But it's in the recovery that it then builds up. God breaks us down to build us back up the way he wants us. See, because if we, if he left it up to us, no telling what you would look like. You'd look crazy. You might not think you would, but if you built yourself, you'd look crazy. <laughs> Come on, I just, you know, I would too. But God, God's saying, hey, let me break you down so that I can build you back up the right way. There's some of us that say, well, you know what, uh, I've tried this, and I don't care how old, how young, how old you are, you could have come a long way. And then you finally say, you know what, this whole thing, I've been doing it exactly the right way. And God say, that's okay, I don't care. You're 60, 50, 70, 10, whatever it might be, just come to me. Surrender all, I'll break you down, and I'll build you back up. You're still living. You're still living. There's still time, and he'll do it. That's what it means to receive his grace. Spiritual disciplines are meant to exchange life as usual. The same thing over and over. God wants you to live an abundant life, a fruitful life, one where you thrive. This is what God's plan and desire is for you, to thrive. Now, if you don't believe that, you'll never do it. You'll never walk in it if you don't believe that God wants you to thrive. It's his desire for you. Jesus said the enemy, not me, the enemy came to steal, kill, and destroy. I didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy, but we treat, treat Jesus like that sometimes. We treat him like he came to steal, kill, and destroy something from us. King Asa treated God that way. I don't know about you, God, but you know what? I'm going to go over here and talk to the king of Syria. And God said, I didn't come to steal, kill, and destroy. I come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Just because you don't understand my way doesn't mean my way is not perfect. 
I've been here before. I mean, if you're if you've if you've been a parent, if you've ever mentored somebody, you could understand the frustration of trying to get somebody to see that you've done it before, uh, twice, three times, seven, fourteen, two hundred and fifty-six times, and it didn't work. Not one of them. So that's why I'm trying to tell you, I was right where you were. That's what God is saying to us. I know I've been there, though He hasn't tried it and failed. He knows what works and what doesn't. Spiritual disciplines remove the spirit of neglect and laziness that stands between you and your spiritual growth. Come on now, if we really break it down, again, don't get offended, but sometimes we just be lazy spiritually. We just lazy. You know, you just want to accept, uh, you get tired. Well, I can't say you. I know I have. I just get tired. I get tired of fighting. I get tired of, uh, you know, Speaking the word, I get tired because it, you know, didn't seem like it changed. I mean, I've been doing, I started yesterday and I've been doing it all the way to the day and nothing changed. And so, you know, now I'm tired. (laughs) God said, come on now. Come on. You can do this. Keep speaking it. Don't get tired. Spiritual disciplines are simply a matter of following Jesus into his own practices. What does that mean? It means be a disciple, a true disciple. A disciple means being a disciplined one. That's what we're talking about with spiritual disciplines. It's, you know, here, you know, I, years ago, this guy came out with this thing that we used to put, wrap around our neck and, and, and put on our, 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 uh, you know, they had wristbands. What would Jesus do? Remember that WWJD was real popular some time ago. And I believe he was actually fulfilling that scripture in Deuteronomy that says, buy my word around your neck. You know, always, always, there should always be a reminder, you know, so what would Jesus do? But here's what, Here's what that phrase really meant to many of us. How would Jesus react? H-W-J-R. That's what it meant. It wasn't W-W-J-D. How would Jesus react? That's what it meant to us. So if somebody does this to you, oh, what would Jesus do? What would Jesus do? My boss talked about me. Oh, well, you know, what would Jesus do? You know, so-and-so called your name. What would Jesus do? That's how would Jesus react. Here's what it really means. Here's how we should really take it. When you're by yourself and nobody else is around and you don't feel like reading your Bible or praying, what would Jesus do? Come on. That's what we're talking about when we're talking about spiritual disciplines. When nobody's looking, what would you, what would Jesus do on a daily basis? What was his normal routine? How much time would he spend in prayer? What would Jesus do? Not just how would Jesus react. It's a matter of following Jesus. When we talk about following Jesus, it's not just as it relates to when someone comes against you, what would he do? It's following him in all of his practices. You know, how was he proactive in things that he did? That's what we need to think about. What would Jesus do? You know, Jesus says in Matthew 11, take my yoke upon you. Learn from me, he's saying. I am gentle, lowly in heart. You will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Take it upon you. I know what I'm talking about, he's saying. I mean, when you think about spiritual disciplines, uh, you know, there's, there's a couple of disciplines that I think, think about this for a moment, that you can just weave into your life. There was this discipline uh, and this thought of abstinence, and that just doesn't mean from sex. <clears throat> but what it does mean is, uh, you know, there's, there's a lot of things that come down with that. Uh, yeah, I was looking at the youth when I said that, in case you was wondering. Uh, 
But you, but you just look at that. Look at this, this discipline of abstinence. You know, you can look at solitude. What does that mean? It means practice spending time with God without any other distractions. That's what that means. Have a, have a time of solitude or, or silence. Now, you may say this is the same thing. You talk about practice spending time with God with no noise or other conversations. Here's how silence and solitude are different. Uh, solitude, for me, I can go and just be by myself. But you know, one of the things that I like to do is turn on worship music. I like to turn on some worship music or maybe even I'll listen to a podcast or I'll read at the same time I'm listening to music. And so it's not totally silence, but I am uh, by myself in solitude. It's just a time of worship. And then there's other times where you may just need silence. You don't need any music. You don't need any podcast and no, not even reading. You just need to be quiet. I think it's one of the hardest things for us to do today, and especially the generations that come up. I'm not dogging uh, the next generation because I love them so much. And I think there's so much opportunity for millennials and Generation Z and AA and then the AAA and whoever, whatever generations are coming. Uh, there's so much opportunity. But one of the things with everything that's going on, uh, silence, I think, is going to be hard. And God, it's a, remember this little uh, scripture called the still? Yes, be still, the still, small voice. You can't hear that when everything else is going on. So sometimes you just need to be silent and listen. Fasting is a big thing. I, I don't know what happened to the art of fasting, especially as it relates to abstaining from food. <laughs> and what I mean, you know, it's, uh, you know, well, you know, I'm not going to watch TV. And that's good. I mean, if TV has you, that's great. Uh, my mom, you know, she's not here, so I can kind of talk about her. By the time she sees this, you know, uh, I'll be somewhere else. Um, you know, she won't be able to, to hit me upside the head. But, you know, she could, she could fast from Pepsi. I mean, you know, just that, you know, she and, and her her twin sister could fast from Coke. One liked Coca-Cola and one liked Pepsi, and they hated the other one. And so, uh, you know, those things had them, you know, Pepsi and Coke. So you might find things in your life uh, that you can fast from, I'm sure, uh, but abstaining from food was the original fasting. Sometimes you we need to go back to the basics. I'm just saying. We just need to go on back, go on back. <laughs> Right. Being frugal, frugality, using your money for purposes outside your own needs. This is what you can do. Maybe take take some time one time and say, OK, this week, this week, I'm going to I'm going I'm to set some money aside. What if you're able to? I don't know. Whatever it might be. I'm going to set 50 bucks aside. And I'm going to find somebody to give it to. Don't wait. Here's what I'm saying is don't wait till there's a need and say, yeah, I think I got some money that I can take some money, set it aside and then look for a need. Right. Just like what Dorothy's doing and she has been doing purpose in your heart. That's what I'm going to do. And then look for the need. Chastity, a life of purity. God wants you to be pure. In everything. I'll just move on to the next one. Secrecy, doing things without others knowing. Right. So, in other words, anonymous. All right, that's a, that's a discipline of abstinence and sacrifice. Stretch your sense of what you can do uh, without, what can, what you can do without for the sake of helping others. What can you do without? And then conversely, there's also the the, the disciplines of engagement. You know, getting up and actually doing something. Study is something that we can do. Study. Paul told Timothy, study, and I know Timothy was a pastor of a really big church, but he told him, study to show yourself approved a workman that need not be ashamed. And I think that's for all of us. 
uh, we can, now let's go deeper. You read a few scriptures every day or a couple times a week or once a quarter, whatever it is, however often you read, uh, you know. But now let's go a little deeper, study, look at context, see what's going on, get you a strong. So you can look it up, you know, go ogle. You can do that. You can go there and, it, and you can find definitions. That's Google for some of y'all speak a different language. But, uh, you know, get you or, uh, you know, get you another book and get a commentary. Go a little deeper. You know, there's software programs that you can even buy now that will help you or Bible apps that help. You know, I mean, there's all, there's no excuse really for us not to go a little bit deeper and study the word of God for ourselves. Don't just take Pastor Mike's word for it or Bishop Jake's word for it or Oral Roberts or Jesse Duplantis or whoever it is. Uh, they're, they're wonderful uh, people. And of course, they preach the word of God. But you need to know for yourself. Because when you're standing before God, you ain't going to be able to say, you know, uh, that pastor over there said that. God's not going to accept that. He's going to say, no, I want you to study for yourself. Study. Time of worship. Not just here together with everyone else. Worship on your own. Try it. Nobody's looking at you. Just be by yourself. You can, you can cry. You can do whatever you want to do. You can go deeper. All right? Celebrate. Here's what I mean. Be grateful. Practice having a thankful spirit and an attitude. Encourage others. Be grateful. It's so easy uh, in times of distress to express that. But we need to be, we need to celebrate more often. What about service? Find places to serve. It is not just, and when I, and I, when I talk about the church, it's not just to help the church. It's for you. It is for you because God wants you to. Jesus came as a servant. That's what he came as. And if you say you want to be like Jesus and you don't want to serve, then you don't want to be like Jesus. I'll just move on. Prayer, fellowship, confession, and then also submission. Admit that you don't know everything. Admit. <laughs> just admit it. <laughs> say, God, I don't know everything. I don't know how to do this. You do. I don't. I don't know how to do it. You need to understand something. You need to understand that you have divine power remember remember the series we just came off of eight keys to a victorious life uh you know god he, he god in in first peter chapter two god is telling second peter i'd say that opposite second peter chapter one uh you know god god was telling us through peter that he is giving you divine power remember how that started he said grace and peace be multiplied unto you right and he wants you to have his divine power he has given us all things that pertain to life and godliness. And so you have divine power. You have great and precious promises. And you have divine nature in you. It's in you. We just, we don't act like it. You might say, well, you know, I don't know about that because I didn't act like it yesterday. Well, just because you didn't act like it don't mean it's not there. It is there. It is there. You have divine power and you have a divine nature. God just wants you to believe that. And so we must have, here it is, we must have a personal uh, pursuit of spiritual discipline. Second Peter 1 Peter 1.5 says, but also for this very reason, remember, he said, giving all diligence. That means try hard. Add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge and add, add and add. You do it. Don't ask him to give you more faith. But add to your faith virtue and add to your virtue knowledge. God gives us spiritual reasons, but we are responsible to use them. We must give all diligence. We must add faith. We must work out what God works in us. 
God works it in you, but you must work it out. We must seek things that are above, and we must put to death ungodly things in our life. We've got to do it. Put it to death. You put it to death. You put it to death. You put off the flesh and put on the virtues of Christ. You yield your life to Christ. These are things that are up to you to do when we're talking about spiritual disciplines. These are things that are up to you. You must do it. And so finally, we it, it begins with a decision. We must make a decision. We must we know that uh, in order to be with God in eternity, we must make a decision for Christ. We know that. But you know what, Christians, you must make a decision for discipline. Everything you do, if you're terribly out of shape, uh, you know, you, you and you want to get in shape and you want to be healthier, it begins with a decision. You must first make a decision to do it. And so we must make a decision for discipline. And so this morning, I invite you to examine your life, evaluate your spiritual growth, and make a decision to become strong in spiritual discipline.